Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Today we gather not to mourn. We gather today to say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for taking my sin, my shame, my guilt, my past. Thank you today that we can walk in freedom. Thank you today that we are reconciled to God for your son, Jesus. Thank you today we have nothing to fear. In a world that's hopeless, in a world that is just so messed up right now, you hold us together, Father God. I thank you today, Father God, we have a glorious hope because of Resurrection Sunday. We thank you, Jesus. Just make it personal, just for one moment. Just make it personal. Thank you. Maybe you're not where you want to be, but come on, you're not where you used to be in life. Come on, just thank him right now. Maybe you feel distant from God. He still loves you, friend. Maybe you've made some mistakes and you're thinking, God doesn't even care that I'm here today. He cares. He cares. He cares about every single every single thing that's happening in your life right now, he cares about. Amen. Amen. All right, we can find our seats. We're not sure how Jesus was raised from the dead, but we do have an account from Mark of how he was discovered. And we're going to read Mark's account um, from the gospel of Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, of James and Salome, bought spices. We could call them the Spice Girls. That they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. For it was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. If anyone was wondering whether you're going to be old or young in heaven, I think that gives us a little inclination that we're going to be young in heaven. There we go, a young man. So if you think, am I going to be old in heaven? I think we're going to be young, vibrant, youthful. So just a little, little tidbit there. Verse 6. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. For they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. What a moment. What a moment as the girls are reunited with Jesus at the tomb. That day, they had come to weep and to mourn at the grave of Christ. And sorrow turns into hope. Is there a more powerful moment in Scripture than when Jesus is resurrected from the grave? Our king is alive today. That's the message title. Our king is alive today. I want to share three eternal promises from this story. And not just share three eternal promises, I want to focus our attention on three individuals in the resurrection story. The first promise is, the king is alive, so I have access to his power. The girls arrived at the tomb to pay their last respects to Jesus. 
Maybe have a private time to mourn. Maybe to, to reflect on Christ's life on earth. Maybe to recollect some of the memories. Maybe even to bring closure. If you've ever lost a loved one, often when you go to a tomb, is to try and find some kind of uh, solemn moment to, to find closure, to try and remember the good times, forget the bad. And it was customary in Jewish custom after three days to rub spices and perfumes into the body. It would be similar to us laying flowers on the grave. Interestingly enough, the first person that Mark talks about to witness the resurrection and the power of Christ was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, just a short time earlier, the Bible said, Jesus had cast out seven demons. We don't know what happened in Mary's past, but I would say it was complex. She must have had some issues. She had probably been through a whole lot of challenges, maybe in her marriage, her family, her children. I think she represents us lot quite well. And she probably counted herself out of many things in life, including being the first on the scene at the resurrection. She'd probably think, well, there's other people that deserve to be there if this was going to happen, but not me. I, I've got a pretty crooked history. What does this tell us today, 2,000 years later? It says this, God's power is available to everyone and anyone. God's power is available to everyone. I want to encourage you today, do not allow your past to disqualify you from God's power. Maybe you've got some demons in your past, some skeletons in your closet. Maybe you've made some mistakes like Mary Magdalene, yet the power of God is available for everyone. Often little voices in our heads will say, you've strayed too far. You don't have enough faith. Your Bible's been collecting a lot of dust recently. I want to encourage today that his resurrection power is available to you. This power is available through the helper, the Holy Spirit. Often when we think of power in this day and age, we think of willpower, self-help, motivation, digging a little bit deeper. I've run a few marathons in my time, and when you hit the wall, they, they, they tell you you've got to find something a little bit, something else, something extraordinary. You've got to dig deep within yourself. And I think all those things are really good to do. But there's something even greater than self-will. It's called the, the name is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes the I can where in my own strength I can't. The Holy Spirit wants to become the I can in your career. The Holy Spirit wants to become the I can in your family. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4, just a few days later, Jesus appears to the disciples and he says this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for my gift of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. What does that tell me? Don't go to work without the Holy Spirit. Don't apply for the new position at work without the help of the Holy Spirit. You've got to wait until the Holy Spirit, the power, the resurrection power of Jesus is upon you before you move. Don't even try to have that difficult conversation with your family member, with your colleague at work without the power, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Don't even try to do your dirty washing at home because you're going to get frustrated. You even need the Holy Spirit to get through the chores of life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Here's what I realized. If Jesus qualified Mary Magdalene for his power, he qualifies you and I today. Can you imagine some of the conversations they must have had? I mean, girls love to chat, don't they? And these girls would have been chatting on the way up to the tomb that morning. We can't do this anymore. We can't. We can't bear to do life without Jesus. They'd spent three years with Jesus, and now Jesus has been taken. We can't go on. You know, we all have our I can't moments. Has anyone had an I can't moment recently? Four people. Come on, who's having an I can't moment? I've had an I can't year. You just speak to yourself, I can't. I, I can't get into university. I, I, can't, I can't get the qualification to get the job. I, I can't. You can imagine the conversation. I can't do this anymore without Jesus as the girls walk to the tomb. But in every I can't situation, God makes his spirit, his resurrection power available to you and to I. And we gather today knowing that we can't, but believing that God can. When Jesus left the grave, he said, in Romans 8, he says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit which lives in you. Not your self-will in you, not your motivation in you, but his spirit in you. Tonight, we're going to see 44 resurrection stories of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just give me a wave if you're getting baptized tonight. Give me a wave. Look at that. Some of the TC lads are getting baptized over here. Fantastic. Down here. Fantastic. What are these? These are Holy Spirit resurrection stories. I don't know about you, but I'm believing for a resurrection. Who needs a resurrection in their life? Who needs some stones to shift in their life? Who's got some big, heavy things sitting in front of them? And you're saying, God, I can't shift these. You know, the, the, the stone, I'm told, in front of the tomb was two ton. Two ton, 2,000 kilograms. They say it would take 20 strong men and ladies. Well, it was the ladies who got there first, wasn't it? Let's be honest. You girls were way, 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 way in front. Disciples were all hiding. That's for another story, another day. The girls, but it was 20 strong men. You know, sometimes in our work, in our businesses, our lives and habits, we're trying to move things ourselves, shift the stone. No person shifted that stone that day. It was the resurrection power of Jesus. And you can try and shift things and make things happen in your own strength. Let me tell you, one touch from the resurrection power of Jesus today, it can move things in your family. The phone can ring, an email can come in, and things can shift when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to move what you can't move. Come on, is there anyone who says, I'm expecting a resurrection move today in my life? I'll God, I need you to make a way where there is no way. And the gap between I can't to God did is simply resurrection power. The gap between I can't do this, I can't go on to God, there's a miracle, is simply his resurrection power. Come on. Every one of us needs on this cross, every one of the little scrolls that was written down and screwed up and put into the cross on Sunday 
every single one of these, we're going to pray right now. Why don't you stretch out your hands? I've, come on, let's pray for resurrection power. Because every single one of those is an I can't. I can't heal myself. I can't, I, can't, I can't go on. I can't pay my bills. But right now, we're going to pray for a resurrection power. Father, right now, but the resurrection power, we pray that you would move stones in people's lives. You would shift things, Father God. You would move mountains, Father. We cannot do this in our own strength, our own will, Father, but you can, Father God. We thank you, Lord, today for turnaround in people's situations. Amen. I don't just want to read about resurrection stories. I want to experience them. The same power which conquered the grave lives in you lives in me. Turn to the person next to you say, it lives in you. It lives in you. It lives in you. The king is alive, so I have access to his power. Number two, the king is alive, so my failures are not final. My failures are not final. I think if we did a roll call at the cross and um, we asked all, you know, if we asked all the disciples who'd failed Jesus to come up, I think Simon Peter, or Simon called Peter, he would be top of my list. Anyone else, if you know the story of Peter? I mean, he messed it up big time. He was an absolute flop. Just a few hours before Christ was crucified, he denies knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but thrice. Three times. I mean, if, if it recorded that he denied Jesus once, I would put that down to misunderstanding miscommunication, maybe whoever was writing it down misheard it. But three times he denies the existence of Jesus. You know, think about Peter's life. Jesus, he takes him out of a career that he's going downhill in. He's, he's messed it up on the, on, on the Galilee. He sinks. And Jesus pulls him up. And then just a few hours before Christ died, before he denies him, he cuts off the year of somebody. And Jesus steps in. I mean, by the way, Peter was as good as dead in that moment. And Jesus says, no, 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 let, let me just fix this ear back. He clears up the mess. And the soldiers are in such shock. They're like, well, I'll let Peter off. Maybe that was a... So, 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 so Peter, P, Peter, Peter is... Peter's a mess. Peter's seen every miracle up close and personal, yet he still renounces Jesus. I think that Peter, I think Peter must have been plagued with guilt. If you've ever done something wrong, who knows that you live with this thing called guilt. And as you, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I have a feeling that Peter was watching Jesus on the cross from a distance. Maybe he was hiding behind a tree. And he saw Jesus hanging there. And he must have felt a failure. He must have felt so guilty. Peter was a total letdown. Peter should have been left to wallow in his guilt. Yet Jesus, he comes out of the grave. And we can miss this if we don't read it closely. And of all the disciples that Jesus names... He says in Mark 16, 7, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Wow. And Peter. And Peter. Chantel knows me better than anyone in this room. 
because she spent time with me. She's been close to me. And Jesus knew Peter. He knew his personality type. He was a maverick. He was a risk taker. He would react. And he knew Peter's personality that he would be taking this really personally because he was part putting Jesus on the cross. And so when Jesus says to the girls, go tell Peter, he knew that Peter would be drowning in guilt because of what he'd done. I also believe if Judas hadn't have died a few hours before, he would have also been included in this because God's grace would have covered Judas as well. One of the things that plagues the human race more than anything is guilt. As I studied this message, psychologists said if you got rid of guilt, you would shut down most of the counseling sessions, most of the counseling centers on the planet. If you got rid of guilt. You see, guilt is a plague. And the first thing that the risen Jesus did was to release Peter from his guilt. Because I think if the girls came and got the disciples, in fact, if this was me, if this was me, I don't know about you, but when people have betrayed me or been disloyal to me, they're not the first people I want to see. People have spoken badly about you, written about you, blogged about you, tweeted about you, and suddenly you bump into them. Oh, it's awkward, isn't it? And Jesus could have chosen any one of those disciples, any one of his friends, but he chose Peter. Why? Because Jesus is full of grace. His heart's desire in that moment, the very first thing Jesus wanted to do when he came up from the grave was to forgive Peter, to restore him, to comfort him in his pain, even comfort him in his betrayal and his disloyalty. This is what I take away from this. God knows all about my failures, yet he still calls me by name. He knows all about the times I got it wrong. And you know that, that verse today, it could read my name. Go tell John Norman. Go tell David. Go tell Declan. You put your name into that verse because our names all deserve to be in that verse. We live in a world that wants to cancel everyone and anyone for doing anything. But Jesus doesn't cancel anyone. He brings them back. He brings them back. He says, yeah, you screwed up. You messed it up big time, but you're the one. You're the one. Why don't you put your name? Come on, go tell Steve. Go tell Richard. Go tell Henry. Go, go tell Isabel. I'm alive. You have a future. Your failure is not final. We live in a world where we fail, we get it wrong, we're finished. But the king is saying on Resurrection Sunday, you might have failed, but you are not a failure. Someone needs to hear this today on Easter weekend. You are not a failure. We've all failed. We've all got it wrong. We've all messed up. But failure is never final. God wants you to stand today. Not in your mess, but stand in his grace. You see, you cannot, as a child of God, you cannot fall out of grace. You can only fall into it. And some of you, you've, you feel like you've fallen out of God's grace and God's saying, no, my grace is the very thing that's propping you up right now. 
God says, go tell Peter. Go tell Peter. This is, the, this, is the, this, is the, this is the best part. Go tell Peter this, by the way, that in 50 days we're about to start something called the local church. Something that you and I, 2,000 years later, are a part of. The local church. And by the way, Peter, you're going to be the Pope. Because Peter was the first Pope of the church. The same guy that cut the guy's ear off. The same guy that sunk in the Galilee. The same guy that denied Jesus. The same guy that messed it up time after time again. And Jesus said, go tell Peter. Failure is a comma in your life, not a full stop. We get it wrong from time to time. And there is consequences. I get that. I'm not talking about that. But failure is the hinge that swings open the door for God's grace. And the king has the final word today. The king. He was beaten. He was scorned. He was rejected. He had a spear placed in his side on Good Friday. And he cried out, as Steve said, it is finished. But he didn't say, we're finished. He didn't say he was finished. He said, my failures My sin was finished. Finished on the cross of Calvary. Paid for. Receive. Come on, receive. Anyone need to receive his grace today? Come on, anyone just need to receive his grace afresh? Come on, receive it right now by faith in Jesus. Receive it. You're not what you've done. You're who your heavenly father says you are. Your failure is not final today. Those words need to ring around in your ears. Your failure is not final. Thank you, Jesus. I love this story about a little boy visiting his grandparents. And uh, it was at Easter time. And he was given his very first slingshot for an Easter gift. And he'd been practicing in the woods. But he could never hit the target. And so he went back to the back of grandma's uh, back garden where he spied her pet duck. It's not a good day for animals, sorry. (laughs) And on impulse, he took aim and he let fly. And the stone hit and the duck fell dead. And the boy panicked. He desperately tried to hide the dead duck. And he stuffed it in the woodshed. Only to look up to see his little sister watching. (laughs) Sally had seen it all. But she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help you in the kitchen today, Grandma. (laughs) Didn't you, Johnny? She whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the grandchildren wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I really need Sally to help back and make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered in his ear, remember the duck. So Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both chores and Sally finding she couldn't stand it, he confessed to Grandma he'd killed her duck. I know, Johnny, she said, and she gave him a big hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing unfold. Because I love you, I forgave you. I just wondered how long you were going to make Sally a slave of you. How long are we going to allow guilt to make a slave of us? 
How many more days and weeks and months of our lives are we going to allow guilt to steal when it was paid for? The perfect, spotless Lamb of God. He took your sin. He took your shame. He took your guilt on the cross. Today, you're not what you've done. Don't allow the enemy to make a slave of you any longer. I think when Jesus asked for Peter at the cross, I don't think he wanted to bring Peter out to humiliate him and to shame him. I think he wanted to bring him out to release him. I think the Holy Spirit's brought us out on this Resurrection Sunday to release us. I don't think God brings us to church to humiliate us or point judgment at us. I think he brings us here today to release us. And we can stand here today in his freedom. You are a child of God. The king is alive, so I have access to his power. The king is alive, so my failures are not final. And the third thought I have today, the third eternal promise, is the king is alive, so that my death is defeated. Jesus took my place, and he defeated death. The penalty of death had to be paid, and Jesus paid it. So Jesus Christ, he went to the cross, and he hung there. He hung there between two thieves, Two people who deserve to die. He took my sin and my shame so that I could be forgiven. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible for God's children. I don't think there's a promise more powerful than Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise today. I can honestly say that the reason I do not fear death is because I have an assurance of where I'm going. Revelation 21 says, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. The former things have passed away. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Death has been defeated for those who believe. And the reason that Jesus went to the cross is because he loves you, friend. He loves you. You see, the third person, the third individual, we looked at Mary Magdalene on the first point and we looked at Peter on the second. The third person in that story was you. It was you. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. You were the other person in the story. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that the whosoever, that's me, that's me, would believe in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. While he was on the cross, I was on his mind. A student recently was asked to summarize the gospel in a few words. She responded, In the Bible, it gets dark, then it gets very dark, and then Jesus shows up. Wow. I feel like that's our world right now. It's dark. It's getting really dark. But thank God that Jesus shows up. The darker our world gets, the light of Jesus gets to shine brighter and brighter. And Jesus shows up at the tomb, and death is defeated once and for all. Today, you get an opportunity to receive the love of Jesus. You get the assurance that one day 
when we leave this earth, we spend eternity with him. So the big how is this, how do I get there? How do I get there? Because the one thing that humanity has never dodged is death. We've never dodged it. You can take aloe vera or your supplements. You can, you can do a yearly checkup, but no one has ever dodged death. It's 100% successful. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works. Here's the good news today. Everything has been done. Everything has been done. Today, all we have to do is receive this gift of salvation. We can't get there by works. We can't earn our salvation. We can't do anything else because everything that needed to be done has been completed. We can receive salvation today. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. We simply get to choose the path with Jesus. I would like to share an observation with you that I've made over the past 10 years since leading Soul Church. It's this. It's not very profound, but it might help someone. Where you end up is determined by the road you're on. Where you end up in life is determined by the road you're on. If you want to go to Scotland, you don't, go, you don't head south. You've got to head north. Where we end up in, in eternity is determined by the road we take here on earth. Jesus said there are two ways. In Matthew 7.13, it says, The wide gate and the broad path, it leads to destruction. On the broad way, anything goes. You see so many people on the broad way. They live for themselves. They do anything Choose your own truth. Don't answer to anyone. Do what you want to do. Live the way you want to live. You call the shots. The problem is eventually there's pain and there's sorrow and there's shame. And there's constant searching for the next thing. But sex and money and drugs doesn't satisfy. But the good news is Jesus says there is another way. He says it's called the narrow way. The narrow gate that leads to eternal life. The narrow gate is a difficult gate because we don't get to make the rules. And it's hard at times and it's not popular. As a young man at high school, I chose Jesus and it was a tough decision. I remember getting bullied as a teenager at school, standing up, believing in Jesus. There was no Christians in my class, no Christians in my year. There was two Christians in our school, myself and my sister. And that was tough and it was a narrow gate. But a narrow gate leads to a wide, expansive life with Jesus. Or you can choose a wide gate and your life gets narrow and narrow and narrow until you find I've got nothing to live for. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to go through a narrow gate, which will lead to a broad, expansive life with Jesus at the center. Today, I want to ask you a question. Where will you be one minute after you die? One minute, where will you be? And if you don't have the answer to that question today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. And you have to decide today, this Easter Sunday, whether you will receive His forgiveness. The King is alive today as we stand together. The King is alive. So death is defeated. You can receive His forgiveness today. You can receive His grace. 
I'm going to count to three in just a moment. I'm going to give you just a second to stand. And I want to pray for you today. If you say, John, I, I'll be honest, I don't know where I'll be. If I was to leave this earth today, one minute later, I'm not sure I'd be. Today, you can have the assurance. You can have the assurance. You can have the assurance by receiving His grace, receiving His love. You can have the assurance today by saying yes to Him. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not good enough for Jesus. I'm not good enough for salvation. I'm not good enough. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the places I've been, the people I've hung out with. We've all made mistakes. The Bible says for all have sinned. We've all messed it up. We've all got it wrong. If God's grace was good enough for Peter, God's grace is good enough for me. God's grace is good enough for you. God's grace is here today. And I'd love to pray for you. If you say, John, today, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. All over this room, every Christian right now, if you're a believer in Christ, I want you praying quietly right now. I want you praying right now for people's souls. But I'm going to count to three. If you say, John, include me in that prayer. I want to have the assurance that if I was to go right now, that I would spend eternity with Jesus. All I want you to do is just slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see it. Lots of people are going to make their peace with God right now. One, he loves you, friend. Two, have the courage to respond to the message. Come on right now. Three, just slip up your hand and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. God bless you. 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 God bless you, 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 beautiful, God bless you, God bless you. I feel like there's at least another three or four people and you're worried, you're worried what people will think, you're worried that, you know, as a young man at high school, it was tough, but I do not regret the decision I made. I was bullied for being a Christian, people made fun of me. But now those same people who mocked me and made fun of me, they look up to me. Simply because choosing Jesus is the only way. It keeps your life together. It keeps it on track. It keeps you full of purpose. So I'm going to throw out this lifeline once more. I never do this. If you're in Soul Church, you know I don't do this. But I feel strongly this day that many people are going to make their peace with God. And so if you're saying yes, I, I, I'm just going to, today, I'm just going to give it a go. I want to make sure that when I leave this earth, I'm going to spend, slip up your hand right now all over this room. Say, that's me today. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amen. God bless you. Well done. All right. You can place your hands down. We're going to say this prayer out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and my failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you congratulate everyone who said that prayer? Amazing. Amazing. Our team, we're going to be concluding. We're going to be leaving in just a minute, but we're going to be, because of the crowds today, we're going to be heading out through those two main doors when we conclude the service. And so all of our team, our pastors and team, are going to be out there. And if you lifted up your hand then and you said yes to Jesus, we've got a Bible for you. It's called a New Testament Experience. And the story I've just read is inside here. And there's a whole lot more stories in there. So we would love to connect with you. So our team will be out there. So please, and even if you didn't put your hand up, but you really felt in that moment you said yes to Jesus, please come and speak to our team. We want to help you and uh, really give you some steps, next steps to, to moving forward from here. One of the best things you can do is this. 
keep coming back to church. You know, we, we, we see a lot of people over Christmas and Easter, and we love that. We love, we love, but, you know, we're, we're open every Sunday, every Sunday, and we want to invite you to come back to services next weekend at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. We'd love to see you. And one of the things that Chantel and I committed to as pastors of this church is broadcasting good news. We live in a world that's committed to broadcasting fear and bad news. But if, you, if you're saying, I'm tired of the bad news, I'm tired of everything that's happening around me, keep coming on every Sunday. We want to give you a lift through the power, the resurrection. This is not self-help. It's not good vibes in the room. People say to me, oh, the good vibes in Soul Church. Positivity. It's not positivity. It's not good vibes. That What you're feeling is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You get good vibes watching Norwich City sometimes. That's good vibes. Okay, positivity from reading a good, good book. Motivational. What you're feeling here is not good vibes. It's not positivity. It is the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So come on, come on. You can tap into the power of the Holy Spirit at any time, any place. So right now, if you're saying just like Mary Magdalene, God, I need your resurrection power. God, I need your resurrection power right now. I want you to lift up your hand and say, God, I need your resurrection power. Come on, tell him what you need right now. Tell God what you need. God, I need power to break this habit. God says, I got power for that. God, I need power to have a better attitude at work. Mine sucks. God says, I got power for that. God, I need help. I need your Holy Spirit. I'm kind of in so much debt. I don't know any way out of it. I'm crippled in debt. And God says right now, if you bring me into this equation, if if you ask for the Holy Spirit right now, I can help you right now. I've got power for that. God, I need you to help me hold my tongue. I keep saying the wrong things at the wrong time. And God says, hey, I've got power for that. I've got power for that. I've got power for that. Right now, you tell God what you can't do and invite the Holy Spirit and He will do it for you. Thank you, Jesus. The same power that conquered the grave, it lives in you. Come on, let's sing this out. The same power that conquered the grave wants to help you conquer your grave today. Amen. God, I need your grace for the times I get it wrong. Someone needed to hear that today. Your failures are not final. Today can be a personal resurrection for you. Today, maybe you fail time and time again. But you've got to choose today to see yourself how God sees you, which is forgiven and free. Have I failed? Yes. Am I a failure? No. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do I get it wrong? Yes. I'm not wronging. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Have you had too much to drink? Probably. You're not an alcoholic. You're free in Jesus' name. You see, our world loves to put labels on us. Our world loves to label people. And if there's one label that God places on His children, it's simply this, forgiven. Forgiven. You are not a failure today. You are not a failure. Come on, today there's a robe of righteousness which goes over your dirt, your mess, your shame, your guilt. Every single one of your sins, past, present and future, was paid for at the cross of Calvary.
Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.